Buenos días, ¿cómo estamos? ¿Todos bien? Gloria a Dios. Somebody say, Gloria a Dios. You know we're going to speak English, uh, Spanish in heaven, right? So, so get used to it. That's why I'm saying, Gloria a Dios. Man, thank you, Pastor Brent, for that opportunity. Hasn't it been awesome to have these, these guest speakers the last month or so? Giving Pastor Brent a, a, a break. Oh, it's been great. And Pastor Thurman last week brought it home. Oh, it's been great. And while it is good to eat out, anybody here eat out? You go out, you go out, out to eat? Yeah, it's good, isn't it? But how many know that it's good to have that home cooking? Right? It's home cooking. And I like what Pastor Brent is doing in, in developing some home cooking here in the church. Amen? Amen. So thank you for all of you that have been praying for me. And it's such a pleasure to be able to anchor this series. Um, something that you may not know about me, church, is that I'm a big history buff. My brother and I, huge history buffs growing up. You know, my daughter, she's gotten into that, you know, straight A's in history. My son, <laughs> soccer history. If you want to know where Neymar played, what jersey, what number, if you want to know where Messi, Ronaldo, he'll tell you. How many goals they scored, what beefs they had. He'll, so, so yeah, he's part of the, the, the family history there. Absolutely. But you know, my brother and I were really into war history. I'm a big sucker for the war movies, but also exploration. Some wars, but ex how about exploration, right? Some exploration. There, now, come on, Richard. Come on. Talk to me, brother. I really got fascinated also by the exploration of the South Pole. And you have to remember that in the early 1900s, the South Pole was, in essence, like space, an uncharted frontier. Nobody had ever been there. So you had people like Roald Amundsen. Think about that, Roald Amundsen. If you think about Roald Amundsen, this guy was hardcore preparation. This guy walked to the South Pole and beat another guy. The other guy that raced him died in the process, Robert Scott. But my other favorite is this other guy, Sir Ernest Shackleton. Sir Ernest Shackleton, considered one of the greatest Brits now of all time. And he had an expedition called the Trans-Antarctic Expedition. He wanted to cross the Antarctic on foot, 1,700 miles. Now, this is a hard thing to do, very hard thing to do. So you have to think, who's going to join him in this expedition? Well, he supposedly put out an ad that is now legendary, mythical even. Can we get that, that ad that he put out on the screen? This is it. Man wanted for hazardous journey, small wages, bitter cold, long months of complete darkness, constant danger, safe return doubtful, but honor and recognition in case of success. Who's going to line up? Can I get some takers? I'll take some right here. Can we, take, can we get some, uh, some ushers? Right. <laughs> Nobody's running down. <laughs> and I get it. You know, Drew, shout out to Drew. Drew Chrisman, where you at, Drew? Shout out to Drew. Drew mentioned that he went to El Salvador. Remember when he was preaching? That's where I'm from. So El Salvador, tropical country. Uh, so I'm not trying to get into the ice or anything. I would rather just watch a Netflix of this. If you know what I mean, right? Any, any, let me just watch a biopic about it. I'll get my thrills that way, amen? That's right. But you know, all joking aside, there are some things that we probably should commit to endure. 
and to go through. And one of those things, one of those missions, I would say, is our commitment to follow Jesus. Because guess what? There will be obstacles. I'm sorry if you came to hear like, oh, accept Jesus into your life. Everything's going to be great. You're going to be rich and everything is going to be awesome. I'm sorry, that's not the gospel. There will be trials, things that you will face had you not chosen to commit to follow Jesus. There are going to be some things. And it's just what comes with a higher call, the higher call of Christ. So the good news is that while we have these trials and tribulations, just like that ad mentioned that there is honor, that there's a prize, there's a reward, we also have the promise of a price if we persevere and if we endure. Amen? So let's see, what does the Bible say about that? Because this could just be Alejandro talking, but what does the Bible say? All right, you didn't come here to, to hear me talk. Let, let's see what the Bible says. Let's go to James. Let's put that up on the slide. James chapter 1. When, you, when you're at James, if you got a Bible or if your phone, when you're there, say I. All right, James chapter 1. I love James. James chapter 1, verse 12. It says, a man who endures trials is what? Blessed. Somebody say blessed. Blessed. Because what? When he passes the test, he will receive a crown of life that God has what? Promised to those who love him. This is a promise. This is a promise. So with this background and with this context of pioneering, I am titling this sermon, not that. <laughs> Pioneers wanted the crown of endurance. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is true. We thank you that your word makes us wise unto salvation. We thank you, Lord, that you love us so much that you've given us your word. Thank you, Lord, that you've given us the privilege to be able to read it. Thank you that you've given us the privilege of the Holy Spirit that can help us interpret it and that can help us apply it, Lord. Today, let it not be solely, solely Alejandro's words, but let it be your words being spoken through me, Lord. Use everything I have so that you and all things may receive glory, Father. We give you all the praise and all the thanks in the mighty name of Jesus Amen and amen. So the crew of the vessel, the Endurance, that was Shackleton's ship, the Endurance, properly uh, named, wouldn't you say, the Endurance? So the Endurance set sail on December 5th, 1914. And if we can get that map on the screen, I want to give you a context of where they were sailing from. So they set sail from South Georgia Island right over here. Now, they get on this ship, and the goal is to get here to Antarctica, drop off Shackleton and four other brave souls who will then walk 1,700 miles to McMurdo and get picked up. Talk about endurance. However, weather conditions change very quickly, especially in the South Pole. So as soon as they get near this area here, they become stuck. The ship, the vessel, gets frozen fast in what is called ice flow or pack ice. Anybody know what an ice flow? Anybody, you know what an ice flow? Ice? No, not the rapper, that's Ice Cube. Okay. Uh, not the actor, that's Ice T. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, flow, that's not the insurance lady. I, ice flow, 
It's not your neighbor flowing them. No. Okay. Okay. Let me stop. Okay. Getting in the flesh now. Okay. So, so in ice flow or pack ice, we're talking about a sheet of frozen sea, seawater, currents running underneath it, snow stacked on top of it, and drifts. It drifts by the currents and by the wind. So let's show a picture of the endurance being stuck up there. This is the endurance in the pack ice. Mm. Oh. Ah. So now they're stuck, and you're thinking, okay, this is going to last, what, maybe a week or two? Months. Months. Until finally, the pressure from this ice starts breaking the hull of the endurance to the point that now water's coming in, and the endurance sinks. Now the men are left on the ice flows, floating, hoping to be discovered. The mission now has been compromised. They're hoping to be discovered. Next thing you know what happens, I think you can guess it, the ice flows break. Now they have to get in lifeboats and, and try to find land. And after five harrowing days at sea, the exhausted men land their lifeboats on Elephant Island. That sounds pretty cool, doesn't it? Elephant Island, maybe there's some, some, some wildlife out here. Wrong. It's a rock. Gale force winds hit it, blizzards, no vegetation. And here's the kicker. Shipping routes, nowhere near it. So they got two chances of survival. Slim and none. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. So after a blizzard clears Sir Ernest Shackleton, who is committed to rescuing his men, decides to undertake an arduous, high-risk journey of 800 miles. In the middle of winter, against a formidable sea, in a 22 and a half foot boat. This is it right here, the James Care. So that he can procure or summon help in the whaling station back in Georgia Island. It seems like a difficult task, seemingly impossible. And I would say that if we're dedicated to follow Jesus... We will face some trials, some tribulations, some obstacles similar to what Ernest Shackleton is facing here. Amen? And where am I getting this? Why is it that this has to happen? The key is commitment. Why did Ernest Shackleton do this? He was committed. And just like him... There's a dedication that we must have to follow Jesus and for the fellowship of the gospel. To submit ourselves, to endure, to some discomfort. Let's go to what the Apostle Paul wrote, Philippians, the church, the letter to the church at Philippi. Philippians chapter 3, verses 3 to uh, 13 and 14. It says, brethren, that's us, he's talking to us, talking to them at the time, but that, now that's us. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. But he says, one thing I do. Somebody say one thing. One thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward toward those things which are where? Ahead. I press. Somebody say, I press. 
I press toward the goal for the price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. There is a pressing. There is the, the, the boat's not, the weather, none of that is going to stop me because I got to press to reach my goal. Somebody talking about me, labeling me. Guess what? When you choose to follow Jesus, you might get excluded. You might not be invited to all of the parties. Oh, don't shout me down now. Don't shout me, don't shout me down because now we're speaking some truth. But we're, we're not concerned. If, if we're concerned about the applause of man, then, then, then what's the use there? We're, that we're not living for that. We're living for the price of the upward call of God. An upward call has different types of requirements. So that means that before we face the trials and the tribulations, we have to commit. That's our number one point. If you're writing this down, commit to not give up. That's the first thing you have to decide today. Commit to not give up when you face the trials. Commit to the mission. Jesus talked about this in the parable of the sower. For those of you that are familiar with the New Testament, Matthew chapter 13, raise a hand. Are you familiar with the parable of the sower? All right. If you're not, Jesus talked about a, a farmer with seed, and he was planting seed. Some seed, he said, fell by the wayside, side of the road, and immediately birds came and scooped it. That's what the devil does and comes in immediately, and there's no future there. However, there's some other seed next that falls into stony ground. And what happens? There's a little soil, so it begins to spring up quickly. But then it gets hot, like it's been the last three days. <laughs> we're out there playing baseball. I'm thinking, man, I'm feeling sorry for this kid. I mean, we're talking about just heat coming down. So it says it scorches the plant, and it withers. Because how many know if you want some fruit, you got to have some what? Root. If you want some fruit, you got to have some root. Some people say rut. Rut, any, any rut? Got some ruts. Right? Some ruts. You got to have some root. Because if you don't, it says, if you, if you don't, you endure for a little bit. You endure for a little bit. But when things get a little, get a little tight, as they say, when things get a, little, get a little shaky, when there's tribulation and persecution, that person stumbles. And that's why we see a lot of people, what, as they say, backsliding, falling away, because they don't have the root. So we have to commit from the very beginning, commit to the gospel, commit to follow Jesus. Commit to believe this word. It's like a series of tests, right? Life as a Christian is going to be a series of tests. The more tests you pass, the more successful you are. I worked for a company here in St. Louis, Emerson. They manufactured at the time a lot of different products, commercial, residential products, vacuums, garbage disposals. And one of the engineers took me to one of the labs where they test the vacuums. And what they do is they submit the vacuums to this, this stress. So sometimes they'll run them full power for a week, two weeks, a month, in hot, in cold. They start scooping up all nails, all kinds of things to see if that thing works. Because if it passes the test, what happens? It gets stamped approved. We can duplicate this because it will perform as advertised. So how many know in our lives when we pass a test, when we persevere, think about your marriage. If you've gone through some things in your marriage, if you persevere through some stuff, what happens? That marriage gets stronger. The intimacy is better. The communication is better. Oh, come on now. Come on, Mary, folks. This is an opportunity for you to say amen. 
If you have a business, if you have a job, what happens when you took that stretch assignment? When you, when you challenged yourself, you got better. If you played a sport, the more practice you made, the more times you struck out, whatever it was, you got better. If you're in school, the, most, the more tests you took, the more, the more times you passed, the better you got. Because we know that adversity, when overcome, strengthens us. I wish it was different, but that's just the way it is. Nobody gets buff not lifting anything. I see my, my friend Will Smith on, on, on TikTok. I mean, he's lifting. He's inspiring me. He's getting bigger. Why? Because he's testing himself. And here's the thing. When you pass a test, that test becomes a testimony. A testimony. And the Bible says in Revelation, oh, he's going to go to Revelation on us today. Woo, we're going to preach out of Revelation. In Revelation it says what? That we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and what? The word of your testimony. That test becomes a testimony. It becomes proof that I can endure. Amen. Amen. So if we're going to be pioneers of faith in our families, if you're going to be a pioneer of faith in your job, if you're going to be a pioneer of faith in your business, if you're going to be a pioneer of faith in your neighborhood, all over, guess what? You have to be fully committed to not give up. And the enemy of commitment is second-guessing, double-mindedness. That's the enemy, double-mindedness, second-guessing. It's about full commitment. You know, I always say, ladies, if I was going to propose to someone here and say, I want to marry you, I'll be committed, I'll be faithful, 364 days out of the year. That's pretty good, isn't it? 300, there's, there's 365, 364, is that pretty good? How, how come I'm not getting any amens? <laughs> Why? Because it's not full commitment. It's not full commitment. 364, that's, it's not good. So that's what we got to think about. So how do we deal with double-mindedness? Let's go back to the Word. The, there is power in the Word, amen? It says that the Word is living and active. This is not some old history book. I like history, but this ain't a history book. This is a book that's alive. So let's go to the Word. Let's go, to, let's go back to James. We're building on this. If you came to have church today, say Yeah. Come on, I can't even have church. Come on. James chapter 1, verse 5 through 8. If any of you, that's all of us, right? If you're going through trials, if any of you lacks wisdom, what should you do? Ask God, who gives generously to all without what? Finding fault. God wants to give. He's not going to say, well, what did you do last time? What happened to the 50 bucks I gave you last time, man? That's not God. That's JJ and them. Man, don't get it twisted, right? But I love this. Oh, we're not done with this one. But when you ask, what does it say? You must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts, it's like we talked about them waves, right? We were at the game the other day. They were trying to do the wave. That wave is, you know, like, the, I'm not doing a dance. I'm just, I'm just giving you a little wave. It, it says like the waves of the sea, blown and tossed like a cork in the water, right? Going this way and that way. No autonomy, just totally controlled by circumstances. It says that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. That's a hard saying sometimes. Because such a person is what? Double-minded and unstable in all they do. 
How many know if someone's double-minded, they can't be trusted? Because if you're unstable in this, you'll be unstable in other things. So there are four things that I don't want you to be double-minded about. The double-mindedness is the ice flow. That's where our ship gets stuck. The pack ice, that's double-mindedness. So there are four things. If you're writing this down, number one is don't be double-minded about your past. Don't be double-minded about your past. Well, where are you getting that from, Alejandro? You don't know me. Let's go back to the Word. Let, let the Word speak, amen? This is a Bible-believing church. We believe in the Bible, amen? Ephesians. Let's go to Ephesians. Ooh, I love the book of Ephesians. If you like, if you like Ephesians, say I. Oh, I, lo- I love Ephesians. If you haven't read Ephesians, man, go and read it today. Ephesians chapter 2, when you got it, say I. All right, here we go. And you, now he's talking about us. In the past, talking to that church then, and you who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of power of the air. No, that's not some rapper or some singer. That's the devil. The prince of power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Can you relate to this? All of us, this was our condition. The Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. However, here we find one of the most powerful, pivotal phrases that Paul uses, and I love it. You know what it is? Let's go to this next one. But God. But God. How many know when you hear but, it means go ahead and cancel everything I just said and pay attention to what I'm about to say now. Has anyone ever been given feedback by a loved one boss? You know, I like the way that you are bringing the project along, the way that you led that meeting, but what just happened? Forget everything. You know you're ready. You're getting ready, right? Two strokes and a poke, right? You're doing really good, pop. But in this situation, this but God is canceling all this nasty stuff about us. And is saying, but God, somebody say, but God, but God being rich in mercy, that's who he is, because of the great love, God loves us, right? The great love with which he loved us, even when we were what? Dead in trespasses and sins. He says, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Let's give God some praise about that. Our brother Jackson Camarada, shout out to Jackson. Jackson, he kicked us off. He said, your purpose is greater than your past. Your purpose is greater than your past. You know, I I looked at some research about thinking. It said that we have about 50 to 70,000 thoughts a day. Can you believe that? 50 to 70,000 thoughts a day. Out of those, it said that 95% of them tend to be very similar to the thoughts you had the day before or some other time. See how we're getting back into the past? And out of those, it says 80% of them tend to be negative. I like to say, you know, if I spoke to you like you talked to you, you would hate me. How'd you do that again? Oh, you're so stupid. So we have to get aligned with God's thoughts. His ways are not our ways, so let's just get in the Word and find out what that is. That's the key. 
if you do any thinking about the past, think about how God has delivered you. Brother Barry Eggleston, shout out to Brother Barry. He said, think about how God has brought you. Think about how God brought you through that financial trial. Think how God brought you through that health trial. Think about how God brought you through that, fi- uh, through that family trial, through that marriage trial, through that situation. Think about that. If you're not saved, maybe you, maybe you don't know Jesus, think about the fact that you're here right now listening to the Word of God. Listen to the fact that you can breathe, that you can see, that you're probably going to eat something today. The fact that you have a car, the fact that you got a place that you can lay your head. There is always something to be thankful for and to realize that God has brought us out of a terrible past. We just got to think about it. We take it for granted. The fact that you can hear me right now is such an incredible blessing. So think about that, and then, as they say, press on. Number two, second thing we don't want to be double-minded about. Let's not be double-minded about other people's past. Ooh, don't go there, Alejandro. What do I mean by this? Well, all of us, I'm sure, have experienced pain, disappointment, betrayal. We've been sinned against. If you live on this earth, if you're following Christ, it's just part of life. But the healing that comes from that hurt is only through forgiveness. It's only through forgiveness. This is not Alejandro. Let's, let's see what Jesus has to say about it. Matthew chapter 6. Go to Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. That's good news today, church. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. You see, the understanding here is knowing that our transgression against the Holy God never won't come close. It will not compare to what someone has done to us. I know this may be a hard saying for you, and I know that some of you have experienced extreme pain in your life. I don't want to minimize that. I'm not saying that forgiveness is condoning that. I'm also not saying that by forgiving you have to reconcile. But what I am telling you is that your freedom is in the forgiveness. Because we have to understand, who is this God that we serve? If he is a holy God, a just God, a kind God, then our treason, our transgression against him is the worst thing that has ever happened, and yet he has been freely given us salvation and redemption through the blood of his son. None of us have probably shed blood to that level. None will ever shed blood or experience that kind of sacrifice as Jesus did on that cross. But that is who we worship. And that's why if he has forgiven our transgression, then it is up to us to do it. And science is always catching up to the Bible. Not the other way around. Science is catching up to the Bible. Now we've seen the research that forgiveness has shown that the person who gains the most from forgiveness is the person who does the forgiving. If you don't, you hold bitterness inside, which then manifests itself in various kinds of diseases, unhappiness. You become that grumpy person. So let's not be double-minded about forgiveness in other people's past. Number three, don't be double-minded about God's love. Let's not be double-minded about God's love. 
Let's go. What, what does the word say about God's love? We have to keep coming back. What does the word say? Romans chapter 8, one of the fo- famous chapters in all of Scripture. Romans chapter 8, verses 37 and 39. Somebody say, I am convinced. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. You know, I looked up um, this, this word when I was preparing. I looked into the, in, into the Greek of the word nothing. And you know what it means? Nothing. Yeah. So n- nothing. Yeah. So I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons. You know, people say, you know, Alejandro, I got these demons. Well, they can't separate you from the love of God. Neither are fears for today. If you've got fears today of a recession, fear of failure, I don't care. Fear of whatever it is. Fears of today, worries about tomorrow. It says not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above nor on earth below. Indeed, there's that word again, nothing. Somebody say nothing. In all creation, we will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. I can just drop the mic there for God. It's a done deal. You are beloved today. That's who you are. Nothing can separate you from your love. One last scripture there. Let's go to Psalm 34. I think you can relate to this. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Can you relate? But here's that, here's that verse, or here's that pivotal phrase. But what? But the Lord delivers him out of them all. Amen. The Lord delivers them out of them all. So number four. Number four you don't want to be double-minded about is the importance and the power of prayer. The importance and the power of prayer. See, prayer is a life-altering force because it's communion with God. That's why. You know, we often try to reach out to people to have time with them, mentors, people that are, that are in a place where we want to be. And we're hoping to get on their calendars. Maybe you're in love with someone right now. You know how it feels to be in love. You just want to eat them up. <laughs> Two years later, you wish you had. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. But that time you spend with them, time flies, doesn't it? Oh, that was so quick. Oh, that, oh man, I, I could just listen all night, right? And yet we have the opportunity to commune with God, who's the creator of the universe, who loves you, loves you better than you love yourself, who knows the best plan for your life. You have that opportunity any day, any time. Come on, somebody. This is exciting. It's also tied to what Pastor Thurman taught us last week. It connects you with your weakness. Because it says, I am helpless. I can't do this on my own. I'm inadequate. I don't have the network. I don't have the experience. I don't have the degrees. I don't have all of this that I need to get this accomplished. So I'm asking for help. That's why it's powerful. That's why it's powerful. You can't rely on your degrees. You can't rely on yourself. How many know, I just don't want my natural. I'm out here, I'm I'm here preaching, but I don't want just my natural. I want the super added to my natural. So when I go to work, there is some super added to my natural. When I got to deal with situations at work, I want the super added to my natural. When I have a situation in my marriage or with parenting or with my friends, I want the super added to my natural. Amen? Woo! Estamos arrancando. Estamos arrancando. We're getting started. I'm not tongues of Spanish. Remember, we're going to speak that in heaven. (laughs) 
So those are the four things you don't want to be double-minded about. So to recap, we have to make a commitment. Make a commitment to not give up. And Dave, you can come on up. Make a commitment to not give up. So what do you do when the trials come? Look at uh, James chapter 1, verse 2, because we will fa face trials. So when the trials come, can we, can we get James chapter 1, verse 2? I'll read it. It says, count it all joy when you meet various trials and tribulations. Count it all joy. That should be our response to the trial. Not counting joy that, oh, I have this situation, but what is God going to do through this? How is this testing going to improve my faith? So let's not be double-minded then about our past, about other people's past, about God's love for you and the importance of prayer. You know, Sir Ernest Shackleton was committed to the rescue of his men. He took that trip along with four other brave souls in that small boat. It says here that they endured 17 days of what he would write, supreme strife amid heaving waters. After completing what is now ranked as one of the greatest boat journeys ever accomplished, he landed on the unpopulated part of Georgia Island. The mission's still not complete. And rather than risking sinking the boat, and with two men that could no longer continue due to exhaustion and cold, Shackleton and two of the five men, two, uh, two of the five set out on foot across the formidable mountains of Georgia Island that had never been trekked before. For 36 hours straight, these men traversed death-defying heights and rugged terrain with only 90 feet of rope and a carpenter's adze to serve as an ice axe. He later would write, though it was three of us marching, I felt the presence of a fourth. And on April 30th, 1915, 20 months after the initial sale, and for the men on the island after being there four months, Shackleton made good on his promise and arrived on Elephant Island. As he approached and was within hearing distance, the cry from the shore was, all well, boss. All well. All 22 souls had been saved. How many know that we also have a captain of our salvation? One who was committed to the mission. One who was willing to suffer to the point of death, even the death on the cross, so that you could be rescued, so that your past could be repurposed, so that your past could be recycled. That's who our captain is. One who was not willing to abandon us in our hour of need. That is who we worship. One who also promises the crown of life to those that love him and are committed to him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you, Lord, that nothing would stop you from redeeming us and rescuing us. Thank you that your love is so great that we cannot even understand it. 
but yet we receive it by faith, Lord. Thank you that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Thank you, Lord, that no matter what our past may have been, even what things are right now, you have redemptive power to save us, Lord. And you have given us the opportunity to obtain the crown of life. So we thank you, Lord. We praise you. In the name of Jesus, our Savior, amen.